1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining me, like always, Steven Schleicher. Hey, Zach. How Steven, are you? we're sitting in your house and we're talking movies. We are sitting this in week. my house
2: for now. For now? Yeah, until one it of these days. Down. Well, I was going to say one of these days we'll be able to you know, move into a proper facility to uh, oh, yeah. do these kinds of recordings and everything. And of course, That'd be great. our f- fans uh, can help us uh, make that happen yeah. uh, by uh, heading over to slash major spoilers. Absolutely. And signing up. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, it would be. Uh,
1: but then when or you see all your cute kids way every that, day.
2: Uh, <laughs> the other way you could look at it is while the house is here before, you know, the government uh, screws it all up just right. like they do in Three Days of the Condor.
1: Absolutely. The government is is not a, not a good group of people in this movie. This is a fascinating movie. So if,
2: if no one has ever seen Three Days of the Condor, it stars Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway, Cliff Robertson, and Max von Sydow. And Robert Redford is um, basically he's a book reader guy. Right. Yeah. And he is tasked with reading books and looking for these hidden clues of spy agencies communicating with one another. Mm-hmm. Right. And he has uncovered something that he doesn't know what it is, but he goes out for a lunch run and he's kind of the maverick of the secret CIA uh, house in uh in New York City, I mean, it's
1: pretty obvious the moment you see him on a like a motorized moped. Yeah, like, he's obviously the cool guy in the office. All
2: the people who are going, uh, the bad guys, quote unquote, bad guys. Yeah, uh, think that everyone's in the house, but Robert Redford slipped out the back to go get lunch, mm-hmm. and so nobody knows that he's not in the house. Right, and so Max von Sydow comes in and just kills everybody in the in the CIA house, and he comes back. Uh, Robert Redford comes back is like, oh my god, everyone's dead. Why is everyone dead? And so he's calling up the CIA headquarters and saying, everyone's dead. What do I do? And um, and they're trying to. You know, hey, we'll bring you in, Condor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll bring you in. Don't worry. And as the mystery unfolds, he finds out that the CIA is actually trying to kill him. Yeah. In the very end, we find out it's because there is the CIA has a secret CIA, CIA group working inside of it that is actually plotting to overtake oil fields and Mm -hmm. uh throw over governments and all these things and robert redford accidentally discovered it and so they're trying to keep that secret cia organization closed off so Mm -hmm. this is this movie is all about secrets upon secrets and government agencies spying on the american populace because Mm -hmm. that's kind of what comes out in this piece and it really you know around this time period we're into the cold war this is the This is the, you know, the Cold War really starts in the 1960s when we have um, the Cuban Missile Crisis and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But it really starts to elevate into a scary level of paranoia where it's not just us against the Russians, but Three Days of the Condor is coming out of you can't really even trust your government. And if you think about this, Three Days of the Condor came out in 1975 just right after all this stuff about Watergate mm-hmm. has broken. And so there's already this distrust going on there. And so then you throw on top of this, that the CIA is killing their own people and American citizens and operating on American soil. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. This is kind of scary and intense.
1: Yeah, it is. uh As far as spike movies go, I think it, it was really well done. And the, especially just the twists of, All right, now who is this guy working for? He's like a CIA freelance, but he's Mm -hmm. also another person's freelance, and he's like he's killing all. He's just he killed everyone. Are you talking about Max von Sydow? Yeah, Max von Sydow. So
2: his deal is he's freelance, so he'll kill whoever anyone's telling him to kill. Right. Mm -hmm. So if suddenly there's a contract out on Robert Redford's life, he'll go out and kill Robert Redford. But if someone else comes along and says, hey, I want to hire you to not kill Robert Redford, then he'll be friends with the guy and help him out because that's what he is. Um, You get Cliff Robertson, who's great uh, as the uh, CIA director, Robert Redford's uh, contact, main contact, Mm -hmm. uh, but not the ultimate bad guy in this movie. The weird part in this movie is this is actually based on a book, Seven Days of the Condor. Um oh, four days got cut out, yes, four days got cut out because you have to slam it together, and in the process, we also add Faye Dunaway because you can't have I guess a Robert Redford movie without Robert Redford hooking up with someone right and Faye Dunaway, of course, everyone knows from a uh, Chinatown mm-hmm. and uh, so you put her in this movie with Robert Redford, and she is just someone that Redford has kind of forced he's forced himself on her uh to basically help out because he needs a place to hide and no one knows her yeah and then um and then he forces himself on her in a weird yeah. way the whole, and then they kind of fall yeah. in love and she kind of helps him it's it, a weird stockholm syndrome kind of thing going on
1: yeah it is i was i was telling this to aubrey and i was explaining it and i was like this is a classic 70s quote unquote love scene where it's totally, totally non-consensual sex.
2: Yeah, basically, <laughs> uh, Faye Dunaway is his prisoner. I mean, he doesn't want to hold her a prisoner. He's just like, look, I can't have you calling the cops because they'll show up and kill me, yeah. so I'm going to tie you up, and as we go to sleep, I'm going to force you up against the wall, and I'm yeah. going to lay right on top of you so that you can't move or kill me or anything. And then as the movie progresses, they end up getting it on.
1: Yeah, it is. In a weird, rapey and, way. In a very weird, rapey way, and they make it, what makes it really weird is they make it seem like She's totally wants him. Like, oh, you want the guy that's not going to last long. Right. But we've already established, like, he has total control over here. He usually has a gun. Yeah. She's usually like bound, and it's almost like, oh,
2: our passions. We're so into each other, and our passions, and that we might die. That we must get it on. It's like, no,
1: it doesn't come off at all. It's so weird, and and then the the actual. Oh, we're totally having sex. Um, it is odd based off of the relationship boundaries right, we've right. already set up. like So that is already like huge red flags. Mm-hmm. And then just the way they make it is just yeah. like is like so weird based off of like, oh, I'm touching you centrally. Yeah, oh, yeah. here is my black and white photo of an empty park bench. <laughs> oh, I'm unbinding your hands. Yeah. Oh, look at this tree with no leaves. Yeah. It's, it's It's a very odd scene and is not a good... Love story. No, but you know what?
2: If you take all of that out. I, yes, I would take argue, it out. Take it out. And this becomes a very intense movie, I think. Yeah, Because he's, definitely... he's trying to put piece it together. Mm-hmm. He's trying to figure out what's going on. It makes sense that, he, you know, he, she is helping him. But really, remove any romance from this movie, and I think it would have been 10 times better.
1: Yeah, make it so Faye Dunaway is just one of Robert Redford's like book friends who doesn't work for the CIA, who needs to... Who wouldn't be on anyone's records. No, no, no. She's just there. She
2: belongs to the monthly book club or something. Absolutely. That's what you could do.
1: He went through his Rolodex and like, oh, I remember you from that time we read a a really popular book in the 70s, Mm -hmm. which I have no idea of and i need your help and thank you so much and here's a hearty handshake and i get to live now and i don't get to rape you so that would have been a much better uh friendship story mm-hmm. in this film instead oh, yeah, of the yeah, direction yeah. they went to go yeah 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 uh can't let this
2: movie go away without mentioning john hausman who is great in this movie uh, people will know his voice if they, and I'm sure they would recognize his face if they saw him. Probably, probably not you because you're, yeah. you're, you're way too young, young Zach. Yeah. But at a time, uh, John Hausman used to be on, I think it was a PBS series called the paper chase. And he's a great actor. Um, very beloved. And he's, he comes in as kind of the, not the head of the CIA, but he's the one that's always talking with Cliff Robertson about, you know what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Is this what you want to do? Um, Oh, um, um, when, if you've ever seen Seinfeld, I have. And they're making fun of not Mr. Peterman, the guy that is in charge of Lindsey Springs, and they're imitating his voice. Oh, what can I do for you, Mr. Berg? That's oh, kind of how John yeah. Houseman talks. And so they're making fun of John Houseman okay. or referencing John Houseman, not mm-hmm. making fun of him. But another great actor, a lot of great actors in this movie, which I really got a kick out of.
1: Well, Robert Redford is great i do mm-hmm. really like robert redford i mean he's done a lot of films and i think we've watched at least a couple of them oh yeah and well we've
2: seen all the president's men we've all seen butch President. cassidy and the sundance kid oh yeah um, oh
1: that that movie was weird <laughs> god damn it that movie was weird <laughs>
2: um what else have we seen robert redford in have well, we ever watched we will see directed? some more um uh robert redford movies coming up we'll, yeah we'll watch sneakers which has Robert Redford in it? Mm-hmm. I don't remember if he directed that or not. Uh, we've seen the Sting, I believe, right? Haven't yeah, you seen we watched the Sting. The Sting. So yeah, yeah, we've seen quite a few Robert Redford movies pop up time and time again into this.
1: And Faye Dunaway is good mm-hmm. in her acting. Uh, mm-hmm. She delivered one of the funniest lines. I think uh, in a movie we've watched in a long time when, when she's talking about being a spy effort, and I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> I just thought that was a really just a flat delivered line that yeah, was great. Yeah. yeah. Um. The oh, I the the bad mustache man whose name I forget, Max Matt, Cedar. Yeah, Max Van I thought was a really interesting character in how, mm-hmm. especially his big. I would kind of call it a monologue at the end explaining mm-hmm. how he operates and mm-hmm. how it's a it's a, a calm life and not one that is filled with terror as he hunts down people to kill and yeah. how he likes Europe. I thought that was a really great scene as he you don't really get much talk from him besides right. when he's talking in code about packages being <laughs> delivered yeah. and no de- a receipt of delivery. Yeah. Uh, so didn't have uh, you know a, a good chunk of time to deliver what he believes he does and why it's mm-hmm. a nice life was uh, it added a little bit of depth to the character, which I also th- would question his judgment of. Yeah, this book guy could definitely be an assassin, which was probably <laughs> my biggest complaint <laughs> with this movie. Of they clearly state, like, you are a book man, you right. are a field agent. Even right. when they go grab his friend from accounting, but like, he runs f- everything. You're not a field agent. We got to give you a bulletproof vest so yeah. that we can shoot you in the throat. Yeah. Um. So then to watch Robert Redford. Become a super spy after mm-hmm. being a bookman mm-hmm. was pretty Hollywood, but if you go with he, he just reads a lot and understands everything, yes. you can get away from yeah. it.
2: And that's his thing. He he knows all this stuff and he remembers everything, mm-hmm. right? Because that's uh, evidence when he goes out to buy lunch. For everybody that's soon to be assassinated, right. and he's at the lunch counter, and he's talking with the uh, the the head guy of the restaurant or the cafe, mm-hmm. and the the guy sitting next to him, just you know, your your average uh, dock worker guy, is like, "Hey, who are you? Some kind of a uh, genius guy?" And uh, so they, you know, they kind of establish that he absorbs everything and is able to put it to use. And my guess mm-hmm. is, as a CIA agent working inside the United States, might I add, yeah, uh, which he's not supposed to do. Um, but as that CIA agent, he would have some basic training.
1: Yeah, you would think. Surely they like to teach but you. But to, the other the thing cool is car roll or
2: something. The other thing is he does not turn into a Jason Bourne character.
1: No, it doesn't get too insane he's not fist I mean, I fighting on a level that, that you would expect and he doesn't even and do a lot of
2: i mean there's one good fight scene inside of uh Faye Dunaway's apartment
1: yeah
2: uh where and it's a close quarters combat with a guy that's trying to kill him with a, a machine gun that has a silencer on it mm-hmm. um so that's interesting but that's you know some basic brawling stuff i would imagine that you could do most of the things that robert redford did in this movie
1: oh steven you're you're, you're much too kind Okay, I, I would know. I would have I clearly <laughs> would have died at the first attempt to try to kill me. Yeah, just because I wouldn't have thought, hey kids, I'm gonna use a human shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was actually quite clever. I mean it really was. I never would have thought at, about at it. At
2: one point uh, he knows that Max von Sidau is or someone is going right. to try to assassinate him. And actually he's bumped into Max von Sidow in the in the elevator. Right. And he knows that he's the assassin. So he lets CEDAW go out of the building first, and then there's a bunch of uh, kids hanging around, college kid kind of types. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, hey, my car's not working. Uh, can you guys – or no, I lock my keys in my car. And, of course, he talks to the black guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, I bet you know how to get my door <laughs> open. I'll give you some money. And then uh, he's like, hey, I'll give everybody money. Why don't you all come with me? And so mm-hmm. they all are kind of crowding around him as they're walking out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he that blocks the shot that CEDAW was going to take. So. Right. Yeah. Um, Max von Sydow, for those of you who, um, did we ever watch The Exorcist in this?
1: No, we never you have. Never watch?
2: Okay, so he's in The Exorcist. Uh, you probably also know him from Flash Gordon because he plays Ming the Merc- Merciless in that movie. He's in Conan the Barbarian oh. uh, from 1982. He's also in um, Star Wars, the most recent Star Wars movie, Episode Seven. At the very beginning, he gets killed when, literally in the first five minutes, he has one line hmm. to Poe Dameron. And then the uh, the empire lands and blows, oh. blows him
1: up. Oh, oh, the old guy on the yeah, yeah. on the planet. Uh-huh. Oh, great! Yeah, look at you, still going. Yep, wonderful. For now, for now, until we kill him. Oh, come on, Zach. Um, what was the thing? How? how what did you think of the seventies music? I know Aubrey commented, I'm "Like <laughs> this is pretty seventies, like, especially right 70s. in the intro."
2: Yeah, it's very seventies. It's it's straight up 70s, kind of like yeah. light rock. You know, it's not disco, it's not funk. It's just straight up, this is what you expect from a light 70s yeah. era type music, elevator type music throughout.
1: You know what's going to suck is we look back on 70s movies. I, I listen to 70s music all the time, and so I don't have a problem. No, 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 no. It like it works. And 80s music definitely has a sound in film, right? And then, you know, in 20 years, people are going to be looking back. Like, oh, what was the sound of film in the, like the 2010s? It's just, it's just going to be this. Boom! <laughs> Boom! Yeah, it's going to be real disappointing. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: It, it probably will be. I, I, I should say that this is New York in 1975, and they did shoot mm-hmm. in and around New York. Um, They did shoot in Washington, D.C. for everything that's taking place in here. Mm -hmm. So this is at a time before, you know, it became too expensive to shoot in New York or when it became too logistically hard to do a lot of stuff in New York for Mm -hmm. major motion picture. Uh, And so one of the main features that takes center stage in this, whether you realize or not, is the World Trade Center. Yeah. Which, you know. Again, this movie came out in 75. The World Trade Center had been under construction for about 10 years, had only opened in 1973. So this was still a relatively new building by the time this movie comes out. And so when there's a CIA headquarters uh, located there in the building and you're doing a lot of the interior walking around stuff inside the World Trade Center, for a lot of people, this is still this, wow, this giant biggest building in the world or pair Mm -hmm. of buildings in the world. And we're seeing inside of this in this major motion picture, you know. Prior to 2001, um, you know, it probably lessened a little bit in its overall fantastic appeal of we need to make sure that we get the inside of this building as Mm -hmm. much as it was a New York skyline fixture. Um, But, you know, in the early days, I can imagine that this was like your big stunt, uh, you know, location that you do stuff in. So people go, oh, I know that building. It's the world's biggest building. So, Mm -hmm. um, And then, of course, now when you see it post 9-11... You it's look at it and go, this is really kind of weird.
1: Yeah, because at the beginning of the film, they do a big exterior shot <laughs> yeah. of the Twin Towers, and, you know, me and someone that was young when that happened, it's like, oh, hey, look, they." you don't see this very often. So, And then as it, the movie continued to play it, and we saw more of it, I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> really... I mean, <laughs> it's very... Time period. I didn't know it was actually yeah. that new. Oh yeah, it was like a it.
2: very new building when that when it when this movie came out. So you imagine if it came out in in, uh, in seventy five, September of seventy five is when Three Days of the Condor came out, and the building was open in seventy three. You would imagine that they probably shot this in. Either, I mean, this is wintertime, so it's, you know, it's like probably November of 74, mm-hmm. um, maybe December of 74, mm-hmm. or I mean, um, um, and maybe January of 75, somewhere around there. Mm. So, yeah, it would have been, had a lot of newness to it. Probably had still an, a new World Trade Center building smell to it.
1: It was really strange because they do a shot when um, Redford's character Condor and Fade Away start hatching their big plot. Right. To take down this thing they've discovered inside the CIA, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they send Dunaway's character in to pose as someone who's applying for a job at the uh-huh. CIA, so she can kind of figure out an office, yeah, type situation. And th- oh, there was a CIA building in the Twin Towers. Yeah, so I, I hop over the Google and I go, hey, CIA building, Twin Towers. Uh, if you if you want to go down the conspiracy hole of twin tower theories, I mean, it's a good Google because it's all about World Trade Center building seven. Oh right, which was right. the third building that mm-hmm. collapsed the day, mm-hmm. which is a, a conspiracy theory haven. So, was there a CIA headquarters in there? In yeah. in, in it was a secret headquarters. It was the like mm. the biggest New York one, um, in this tower, which is in the was in the small building seven. And apparently Department of Defense Mm -hmm. office Mm -hmm. setting as well. Apparently, according to one, this was actually on like a real news thing from like New York ABC or something that it when it did collapse due to debris and heat and things that they would to go scour to make sure like some documents and stuff didn't get, yeah, go away and things like that. Uh, But I didn't, I chose not to go down the conspiracy (laughs) hole. But if anyone's interested in World Trade Center building seven conspiracy theories, there's just a dinner. lot there about yes, the CIA. I'm, I'm sure
2: there. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Um. So what did you what did you think about the overall movie? I mean, we've talked a little bit about actors. We talked about you know mm-hmm. what the story is. What did you think of the overall piece? Because this is just as um um what's his name the movie critic uh, said this is basically oh, your, yeah. your B spy thriller. It's nothing really fancy about it, but it's a solid thriller movie.
1: Yeah, there's definitely nothing fancy about it, which Roger Ebert, I, th- I, mean. I think gives it a more real vibe, because it's not a real CIA field right. agent who's right. discovering this. It's a guy who scans books into a computer mm-hmm. and reads... Uh, like Middle Eastern novels and to see where they're going, which, again, I think is just a great way, like, Mm -hmm. pre-internet. Like, how are we going to get a message across the country or to a different country? I know. We'll hire a novelist. They'll write a 300-page book a work. Well, but it's not necessarily
2: necessarily that. (laughs) Uh It's that there is a... there's a system and the code is hidden inside the book. So, you know, like if you and I were going to communicate yeah. and we wanted to have a secret way of communicating, yeah, you and I, m- I might exchange an email going, oh, do you remember Robert Redford? I mean, do you remember Roger Ebert's uh, quote that he made about three days of the condor? Mm-hmm. And that might just be in our exchange. But you would know, oh. I need to go and look into Robert uh, into uh, Roger Ebert's quote that you and I have talked about before, oh. and there in the words and phrasings that Ebert Did is using is it? our
1: code oh. that we're sharing back so it's and not, forth to one another. It wasn't secret terrorists. No, it's, it's not hiring like, yeah, novelists. Yeah, no, no, no. They're not going out and hiring. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no,
2: they're not. They're not doing that. But it's it's and, and for those I think people if it was season one of Sherlock or series two of Sherlock where there was this whole thing going on in London and Sherlock was trying to figure out how they did it. And they finally figured out that the uh, way that these people were communicating was they had the map of London Mm -hmm. and that everybody had access to. And so that's how they were communicating in code with one another. So those kinds of things that secret book code stuff has been around for a long time Mm -hmm. and has been used. And here that's why there's this whole branch of the CIA that's just devoted to scanning in books and looking for quirky S- sequences or segments that could be an implication of what's coming down the pipe later. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I, I maybe I'm wrong. But to me, it wasn't that
1: I mean, your secret you're... <laughs> organizations were hiring authors to insert
2: words and phrases into their books for people to find
1: your your thing makes way more logistical sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like,
2: we might have a code. Have you yeah. ever heard of the um, um have you ever heard of the uh, number stations? No. So a number station.
1: Oh, wait, the things uh, on the, with the planes that deliver the mail?
2: No. Is that so the wrong a, thing? No, no, no. That's something different. Oh, okay. So a number station is if you, if you have a shortwave radio, and I forget the frequencies, but you go way up high mm-hmm. into the blank area, and you can actually find a, a, um, a, a bunch of number stations, and no one knows who's broadcasting these number stations, uh, but what'll happen is at certain times during the day, just a sequence of numbers will be read out by a voice. Here's, here's an example. Seriously? Yeah. This one's just doing a song. I don't know if it'll read out numbers. That's that one. But there are that's those... really freaky. Here's the Russian man station. This is a station just broadcasting a This is a Russian, a Russian man, man that's just broadcasting a series of numbers. Just random, like... They're not random. I mean, they are a series of numbers. Yeah. But there's nothing else. Way with high it. up in the radio it's frequencies. It's way up in the frequencies. And it, they just, these numbers will repeat at certain times of the day. And then nothing will be else on that channel for, Ugh. you know, like 24 hours.
1: That honestly feels so, dread. <laughs>
2: so if these were like an ISBN number. And a page number uh, and a paragraph number and yeah. a word number. You could go in and say, okay, here's the book we've agreed on. Here's the ISBN number. We could go in and we could figure all this stuff out. We could have secret messages back and forth. Or in the case of number stations, what uh, people believe if they're spy things, they are. it's a one-way transmission out to the operatives in the field who have mm-hmm. a code book that the cipher changes every day and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's fascinating. You could – I mean um, way back in the day when I used to listen to Art Bell, mm-hmm. there would be people on – when they first discovered these number stations they were just like oh my god this is a big conspiracy thing this is this is spies talking yeah. to each other i'm
1: going to guess no government agency has ever commented no on them no
2: government agency has commented on them and this is like before internet trolls mhm this is before 4chan mm-hmm. And read it. You can you can literally go and do this now, Zach. You can go and listen to these stations
1: now. It's been a a few hours since I had a sinking feeling in my stomach. (laughs) And you've just you've just given me another one.
2: Yeah. So that so if you imagine that that would be a way for people to communicate yeah i think what's the most fascinating can we
1: can we put out our own our podcast up on those frequencies and like everyone that listens to zach on film tune (laughs) to this frequency at this time um
2: i don't know i mean we could have a pirate radio station but this is shortwave this is stuff that's bouncing off the the atmosphere and bouncing all the way around the world kind of stuff okay um i would encourage you to go just look up number of stations (laughs) they're really crazy (laughs) and then you can i'm sure there's a place online um Oh, Brian Brushwood. Yeah, on the 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 Modern Rogue, mm-hmm. uh, they did an episode on number stations and oh. um, stuff that you can find. And they actually gave you give a website that lets you just basically tune into any shortwave wave length, yeah. And it's really cool because you can dial in and you can see what what frequency is broadcasting, mm-hmm. and then you can find those number stations that way. All too. right. I mean, yeah. everybody knows about them now, but back in the 90s when I first became aware of them, it was totally like conspiracy, high-level stuff. I mean, people still don't know what they are. Right. But one would imagine that it's people talking to their agents around the world in code.
1: Yeah, because it's not just some guy calling home to his mom. No, 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 no. Because it's not, that no, would You're be, not listening to a private conversation. Really
2: you are listening to, like I said, a series yeah. of numbers being read. There's the Russian one that we've heard. There's a woman one that I've heard a lot. I've heard one that's been done in um Chinese okay and I forget and and yeah mostly it's an English woman the Russian Chinese woman those are the ones that I've heard
1: part of me and we've watched Manchurian candidate on this yes, podcast part of me is scared that if I listen to this it will unlock something in my brain and I will be a Manchurian candidate <laughs> and start killing people so part of me thinks I shouldn't just for the safety of you humanity probably should yeah I mean at this point yeah um, so, But here's the other thing okay, yeah. that
2: I think is super important to talk about in in the context of, of what is happening with the thriller movie and how our uh, hero gets out of the situation. And we're going to see this happen. We're going to see this theme continue in movies that continue on for decades mm-hmm. into the future from 1975 <laughs> onward. So we've got uh, Robert Redford gets out of this by he knows he's still a, he's still a target. And. In order to protect himself and in order to kind of give the middle finger to the CIA, he goes to uh, the New York Times and tells them his story. And he and Cliff Robertson have a conversation at the very end of the movie where he's like, you think you can get away with this? You can't. You can't get you can't uh, stop it once the word has gotten out. I have become a whistleblower. Words not really used at that time. But I have turned in all of the information over to the New York Times and now they're going to print this story. And you guys are done for Mm -hmm. you're done and then he walks off and he knows that they can't do anything about it because now if something does happen to it it leads even greater credibility to his story for this thing to be published so Mm -hmm. as we'll see in many movies going forward we have a recurring theme of the government is spying on its own people and doing some horrible things to its own people Mm -hmm. number two there are those people that want to um Share the information so that they can say, hey, let's let's put a stop to this. And then there are those people that get drawn into it just from the pure unwitting spy aspect of it. So we're going to see that in the next four movies that we watch on Zach on film. And I think that it's a very interesting look that people think that movies that are out today that are like, oh, the government's doing all these things Mm -hmm. have only come up in the last 10 years. But these movies have been going on. You know, even Manchurian Candidate stuff. Yeah. I mean, far, far back into movies' histories. And it's something that is a recurring theme again and again and again. And so we're going to look at some movies from each of the decades mm. uh, that examine this.
1: I know you brought up Roger Ebert earlier, and um, I don't remember the exact quote in his review of Three Days of the Condor, but essentially it was about how, is it good that we've transitioned our heroes from like essentially, cowboys to people who are fighting against the government because mm, of mm-hmm. of the government being corrupt, and what will that lead to in society as we put more ideas that government is corrupt and not on your best interest in film, and I definitely got where he was coming from. And then I thought back on about the last 16 years of the government, and I go, yeah, I get you, Ebert, but I think a lot of this kind of is justified when, you know, you look at Snowden and the NSA, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. NSA files and just kind of all the shady stuff that happens and has been happening right. when you really go back in the history well, see, of the government a for a long
2: time. And, that, and that's the thing when, you know, pretty much, and we'll look at um, our next movie is Falcon and the Snowman, which looks at... Uh, Americans who are turned into Soviet spies uh, to spy on the United States for Russia, okay um, but um, you know a lot of this spy stuff is always like it's the Russia versus the u s or the British intelligence versus you know the 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 bad guy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But no one is ever thinking up until about Watergate that our own government is doing things that maybe is not really cool. From our own standpoints, morals, and the way the system was set up to go, and so right. with Watergate, and then with this movie, we start to see this theme of our own government is doing stuff to us. This isn't Manchurian Candidate, where it's uh, the the red Chinese mm. are, uh, you know brainwashing our own soldiers to do deeds that they want. This is our own government doing things against its own people. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's fascinating to look at that paranoia inside the spy thriller. And one could even argue that Jason Bourne is that kind of a movie as well, where Jason mm-hmm. Bourne suddenly realizes, oh, wait, I've been programmed by my own government to do these things, oftentimes against my own government. I mm-hmm. must put a stop to this and be a whistleblower and put an end to all the bad things that these evil branches of government are doing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I th- I think that's what's and, – and then, of course, we get these in, in fantastic films. That's why I want to spend, um, you know, like four movies looking at these different aspects of spies and information and what is the government doing and this paranoia feeling that happens for the last, you know, 50 years.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know when we were talking about doing this sequence of films, mm-hmm. I thought – you said well, we're going to do spy movies. And my, and the first thing I thought of specifically was – James Bond. Uh, like James Bond and that kind of spy I then you were we were talking about the idea and i think these are definitely more to me interesting because they're more um as we saw with condor discovering clues and how um there's a a giant generally the government is doing something mm-hmm. wrong and under and uncovering that and that type of spy, we don't always get in a film. Right. Because it usually plays out in a slower, like this film does not have very many action scenes. Mm-hmm. It only plays out very slow, but it is that thriller aspect of what is the next clue right. going to lead to right. that is really interesting. So there's
2: a diff- number of different ways you can approach this topic. So we've just watched Three Days of the Condor. Next will be Falcon and the Snowman. Then we'll follow that with Sneakers. And then we'll wrap it up with Snowden. Uh, which just came out um, recently. Um, And so we're missing, I know some people say, well, what about all the stuff in 2000? Yeah, from 2000 to 2010, we're missing out on some stuff uh, because I haven't really narrowed anything down, but Snowden seems to encapsulate the post 9-11 paranoia, fear, whistleblowing, spy stuff that goes on. So those four movies should take care of it for us. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Two of these movies are based on real events. Two of them are totally made up.
1: Mm. So. That's always an interesting
2: way to go about it. Yeah. So what's your overall uh, bottom line thought on Three Days of the Condor?
1: Three Days of the Condor, I thought, (coughs) is a worthwhile movie, especially if you like Robert Redford. I think he's a good actor. I think his character is a little questionable in this film. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought structurally the film worked really well in large editing sequences of how they've put it together Mm -hmm. and the timing of their beats, uh in the story structure about when they're gonna give stuff away, how they're gonna make Condor look, and how, you know, you can't he's kind of a uh I wouldn't say necessarily weak character in the beginning, but he definitely gets beaten down and it's mm-hmm. a scared person mm-hmm. is acting really irrationally. Mm-hmm. And to watch him essentially gain his confidence about he's doing the right thing, what's happening, but I gotta do the right thing and take in my own country, essentially, and my bosses. Uh, To watch him develop was really interesting throughout the piece. Um, The action that is in there was interesting. I thought, you know, 1970s action sound effects not great but they do (laughs) give a good chuckle yeah um even i mean it was a it was a fine action sequence they put in there Mm -hmm. uh obviously we covered the rape thing which was just a a big downer on the film yeah Uh, yeah that kind of (laughs) really it really really ruins the vibe really
2: ruin you're right it does ruin them the movie quite a bit yeah brings it down if they could have just removed that it'd be much better
1: and then i thought that i thought the ending was nice and to wrap it up with him blowing on the new york Uh, Whistleblowing the New York Times with the New York Times, and even the exchange between him and his previous boss Mm -hmm. of "Are you sure? How do you know they're gonna print it? Oh, they're gonna print it. How do you know they're gonna print it?" I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Essentially saying, "Hey, you don't know. Maybe we have them on the take too." Mm -hmm. Uh, So I thought that kind of played into the deeper, almost corruption of the CIA in this film. Yeah, Um, I think it's definitely worth watching. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it's really worth enjoyed checking. It. I do remember. What did your what did your wife think? Oh, she did not watch most of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, fed up with it. Too um, slow, too we, I fell asleep at one point because oh, I was really sad. tired at late at night, and so then she just never picked it up, <laughs> and I was watching it later. Um, she was. I mean, this was. She was happy. That it was not from the 1920s. Oh, okay. She so was well, very, like, oh, this wasn't that old. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. maybe you
2: can, uh, believe me, uh, Falcon and the Snowman is much more dry than this. Okay, So right. she's probably not going <laughs> to like that. So uh, do check that out. That's what we'll watch next week on Zach on Film.
1: I'm very excited to watch, you say Falcon and the Snowman? Falcon and the Snowman. Which those is are their code title. Those are their code names. Oh, okay. And it's also my new band name. Yeah, okay. So that'll be next week on Zack on Film. No, we're taking a week off. A week I have off. I have That's some work things. On the next episode of Zach on Film, we'll watch uh, Falcon and the Snowman. Yep. In the meantime, you have a lot of time between this and now, so make sure you watch that. Head over to MajorSpoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page for this episode and all the fil- episodes we've done for Zach on Film. And you can give your thoughts on our discussion and on Three Days of the Condor. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com link where you can do all of your Amazon shopping. It's not going to cost you any extra And use that link, but a little bit of that money will come back to Major Spoilers. And Steven, you already mentioned the Patreon. It's a great thing for people to sign up if they support independent podcasters like the network here at Major Spoilers. They can uh, become a Patreon at any level over there and help all these great podcasts go week in and week out. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Go check it out. So that's it for this week's episode of Zach on Film. We'll see you next week. This podcast is copyright two thousand and seventeen by major Spoilers Entertainment LLC
0: Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time